Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms, who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with a pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might? Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king? setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts, who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him. Good morning. Man, it's good to be back here with you guys. Um, As Luke mentioned, uh, I've been privileged to be a part of some different regional leadership teams that have had an impact on our state, um, including the Worship on the Rocks team, many of which, uh, most of which are, you know, comprised of people, our leadership team are comprised of people that go to this church and a couple others. Um, I can tell you that... um, I would not be the person that I am uh, or have been able to do the things that I've done without this church, without the leadership of this church. I am uh, very much indebted and thankful to Pastor Bob Young, Luke, um, Mike Dudley, who's poured into me, who used to be a former boss of mine, um, um, Ed Bennell, who's met with me and prayed with me. Um, just the whole team here is, is amazing, and many others, many others. So it's an absolute privilege that I get to speak the, the Christmas message this morning. Um, thanks for having me. Um, how about we open with a couple of very lightweight Christmas jokes. Is that okay? Okay. What do you call Santa if he also lives in the South Pole? Bipolar. <laughs> Why can't the skeleton go to the Christmas party? He had no body to go with. Lightweight, I I warned you. Tell these to your children. What do you call Frosty the Snowman in May? A puddle. That's good stuff. Hey, before I jumped into my sermon, I just, I felt like telling you one of my favorite stories of the year since we're wrapping up the year. 
Um, some, of, some of you may know, I help lead a little house sale group called Family Night Boulder, where we do life together, we eat food together, we worship together. And um, this year, actually, I, was, uh, I wasn't there when this happened, but I was watching uh, an orchestra performance of my daughter down at Niwa High School. And uh, I get this report back from family night that they've been dishing up soup, they're having the food, I'm rushing back to join them. Uh, and I find out that there's a gentleman, who's kind of a, uh, a stout, jolly gentleman, who was sitting in a chair eating his soup and uh, telling stories. And we live in the kind of a tri-level house, so there's some staircases that go up, staircases that go down from the kitchen. And he's sitting in the chair telling stories. He's very animated, just jolly, you know, getting into his story, holding his soup. And he continues to back up closer and closer to the staircase in his chair as he's telling the story. And apparently, I was not there, but I can see this video just playing over and over again in my mind. It's one of the most hilarious stories of the year. He keeps telling the story, and finally, one of the legs of the chair goes off the end of the staircase. He rolls backwards down the staircase throws his soup in the air, it splatters all over the ceiling and walls, rolls a few times, and completely smashes the chair at the bottom of the staircase. Now, I'm pleased to tell you that no characters were harmed in the making of this story. He was fine. He stood up, everything was great, and he actually ended up, he's an amazing guy, he replaced several of our chairs, (laughs) and uh, we have amazing chairs now around our uh, humble kitchen table. But I just love that story, don't you? Not really a Christmas story. I just, wow. Sometimes life just really gets you, doesn't it? But, uh, <laughs> but man, he was fine. Um, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a liturgical Christian necessarily. I don't do a lot of um, traditions, but I do appreciate them. I've done a lot of ministry in Catholic churches, Presbyterian churches, and um, I'm not so much as wanting to see every denomination become like my maybe my favorite expression or my most comfortable expression of the faith. But I'm actually more interested in all the denominations learning to bring what they carry together to make an amazing, glorious church. And uh, being a part of prison ministry for the last six years where I go into the Boulder County jails and teach, I want everybody in the room to feel welcome, whether they have a Catholic background or Presbyterian background. They're all welcome. Let's just worship Jesus together. Amen? And... uh, one of my favorite, one of the things that liturgy does is it actually is a constant reminder of gathering around the story of Jesus. And uh, how many know at Christmas time it's, it's hard to even slow down enough to feel the holidays, to, to get in touch with the preciousness of, the, of what it is that we're celebrating, being with our families. You know, we're, we're just trucking at work and day in and day out doing our thing. And it's, uh, we have to take a pause and realize how amazingly special this holiday season is. I remember one of my favorite Christmas memories was I grew up in Geneva, Switzerland, and there was a night where my dad had been out in Romania delivering shoes to the poor, and he was trying to make his way back. He wasn't home yet. So my mom said uh, to my brother and I, let's jump in the car, and we're going to go down into the old city of Geneva, about a 1,000 years old, and we're going to go into St. Peter's Basilica, that's, you know, this thousand-year-old cathedral where some of the Reformation took place originally with Calvin. And we're going to go to a midnight mass and listen to the Catholic choir. And so we did. And there's just these tall, vaulted cathedral ceilings and all the voices and pipe organs echoed through the building, this old stone building. It was absolutely beautiful. And while we were in there, about a foot of snow just dumped on the outside of the town. And so we came out to just 
this glistening snow covering everything. It was quiet. It was peaceful. And uh, we could see all the little foot tracks of people who had made their way through the snow. And I remember driving home just absolutely in awe that there could be so much peace uh, and so much hope and glory just through this holiday season. And, and driving down the uh, driveway back to my home, you know, with tall trees on both sides and s- snow filling everything, everything glistened. And I will never forget that night. I will never forget that night. And uh, in the spirit of just slowing down and appreciating the way different um, saints and, and people throughout history have celebrated Christmas uniquely and even out of the box, can I read you a few excerpts of some saints of old and the, the things that they did around Christmas? This is something that a professor of mine going through Bible school classes uh, had read to us, and it was really special to me. I thought you might enjoy it. In the Middle Ages, the lifelong devotion of St. Bernard of Clairvaux to the Christmas mystery began one Christmas Eve when, as a sleepy little boy, he was given a vision of the infant word being born of the Virgin, his mother fairer in form uh, than all the, the sons of men. In other words, Jesus was fairer in form than all the sons of men. One Christmas day, four centuries later, St. John of the Cross while at ease with his brethren at recreation, took the image of the holy infant from the crib and danced around the room, singing all the while, My sweet and tender Jesus, if thy dear love can slay, it is today. Francis of Assisi could not even utter the name Bethlehem without stammering with emotion like like the bleeding of a sheep. Three years before his death, he obtained the Pope's permission for the making of a replica of the manger in order to arouse devotion to the child Jesus in his birth. He has a crib made ready, hay brought in, an ox and donkey led to their places. The friars are summoned, the people arrive, the forest resounds with voices, and the venerable night is rendered solemn and radiant by a multitude of bright lights and by resonant and harmonious hymns of praise. The man of God, referring to Francis, stands before the crib filled with devotion, bathed in tears, and overflowing with joy. Solemn Mass is celebrated over the crib with Francis the Levite of Christ chanting the Holy Gospel. Then he preaches to the people standing about concerning the birth of the pauper king, whom, when he wished to name him, he called out, of tender love, the babe of Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? To have been there and seen these saints deeply emotionally touched by the coming of their Lord and Savior, Jesus. It's absolutely glorious. Um, you know, when, when Jesus was hitting the scene, it was kind of everyday life back in Bethlehem. Um, there were shepherds out watching the sheep. One thing that was unique about that time, though, is that Caesar had just declared that all the world should be taxed. That's what it says. Go read it. Luke chapter 2. Caesar comes out and declares, I will tax the entire world. Come and bring your money to me. <laughs> That's wild. Talk about it outside pressure. You know, the Israelites lived underneath this Roman rule, and it was crushing. It was heavy, and they're being taxed, which is why 
you know, Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem is to pay their taxes. Um, but these shepherds are probably sitting out in the field wondering, you know, are we going to sell your sheep? Are we going to sell some of mine? How are we going to pay our taxes, you know? And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of heavenly hosts just fill the sky, angels in the sky, completely trumping, completely overwhelming the circumstances of that moment, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Heaven has a way of completely overwhelming and overcoming the realities of the circumstances in front of us. And that is what Jesus came to do as the Prince of Peace. So about seven years prior to Jesus' life, Isaiah prophesied. Seven year, 700 years prior. You guys know that that is one of the reasons why the Bible completely stands out alone to any other religious book that I've ever heard of. If there was a God and he was eternal, he could see the future, the past, everything, what would he do? He'd write about the future. The Buddhist writings have nothing written about the future. The Muslim writings have two prophecies about the future, and neither of them have come true. The Bible has over 2,000 prophecies written about the future, and over half of them have already come true, including exactly where Jesus would be born, in Bethlehem, in a manger, that they'd cast lots for his garments, very, very specific prophecies. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is not just fairy tale. This is the supernatural God moving among us, speaking through his people. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, as we've read in past weeks, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So according to this verse, why did Jesus come? To put the government on his shoulders. Have you ever thought and asked the Lord, why were there wise men and shepherds present at the birth of Jesus? This is a time where government, whether it was Herod or Caesar, was manipulating, was, was leading out of manipulation, fear, control, this abusive type of government. I believe, when I've prayed about it, that the wise men and shepherds represented the type of government that Jesus was bringing, a new type of government that is about empowering the sheep and protecting the sheep. If you read these names Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. That is in order to empower us as people, to counsel us, for his might to fill us. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. These are protective elements to protect the sheep. I believe Jesus came with a new type of government resting on his shoulders. Like every good shepherd, every good pastor, every good leader. It's to empower and to protect the sheep. So what does it mean to be the Prince of Peace? Many times uh, princes, like Prince Charles in the United Kingdom, his job is to go represent the kingdom, the authority, the government of England in foreign countries. So when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to earth from heaven, he came to represent the government of heaven on earth. He came to let us know what flies and what doesn't fly underneath the government of heaven. 
This is what works. This is what, this is what doesn't. Because we know in Romans 14, 17, the atmosphere of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy. So he came representing holiness and peace and joy, which are all seats of authority, ways that we overcome this life. We overcome this life by not getting caught up in the ways of the world and in sin. We overcome this world by our peace. Jesus overcame the waves of the storm with his peace. And it also says that Jesus overcame the cross in Hebrews 12 with the joy set before him. The government of heaven is the way that we overcome this life because it's larger than this life. It's bigger than this life. It is not held ransom or captive to the restrictions of this life. Praise God. Has anybody been held captives to the restrictions of this life? <laughs> I certainly have. But we don't have to be because Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come to not only represent heaven but to rule in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. It's so good. So peace isn't just something we get or try on or take out of a box and play with every once in a while. Peace is a person that comes with us into every circumstance, into every situation. So when our peace runs short, we have a God that is full of peace, operating for us, carrying us through seasons, carrying us through challenges that we can lean on. Here's the bride leaning on her beloved coming out of the wilderness. That's what we were made for. Sometimes the start of our strength is when we start to realize how weak we actually are and we acknowledge that we need something bigger than ourselves. And that's when the Prince of Peace comes into our lives. Of course, the enemy, the old geezer, the one who's always trying to take us down, he has strategies to keep us from our peace. He tries to hold us back with the same with the shame and the guilt of the past. He tries to attack our identity in the present, and he tries to take away our vision and hope for the future. Many people don't have vision for their future because the chaos of their past is messing with their present, and they're too hurt, and they're too caught up fighting against that confusion that they can't even see ahead of them in the future. I remember uh, being out on Lake Geneva as a kid. We did a lot of boating. We lived a few minutes from the lake. I know lakes are a rarity in Colorado, so if you live by one, God bless you. Invite me over so I can look at it at your window because I miss the water. But, man, when a storm kicked up, it went from just clear, just gliding across the lake, you know, to your favorite restaurant or something, to just trying to weather the few feet in front of you. You know, and I remember these big uh, ships would go through Lake Geneva, these big tourist ships, and they'd cause these giant waves. And one, one day, my uh, mom was out sunbathing, you know, and just relaxing. My dad was trying to get over these waves. He thought he would gun it and jump from one wave over the next one. But instead, what happened is our boat went, jumped off the initial wave and face-planted into the second one. And this tidal wave of water came and just completely drenched all of us much to my mom's surprise. 
she, she uh, made sounds that I've never heard her make. <laughs> but for, for me, that's the way, you know, it is in life sometimes. And if, if we don't have peace with our past you know, and in our present, it's very difficult to see the future. One of the things that... Um, has been amazing to me about the way Jesus has absolutely changed my life. Because um, I've had some dark seasons. I've had times in my life that I don't exactly um, glorify or I'm excited about. I, I went off to college. My parents actually struggled in their relationship after the wave issue. I'm just teasing. It wasn't after that. But they struggled and ended up having a separation. I ended up going off to college and just getting into all kinds of trouble, you know, getting into all kinds of trying this, trying that. I was just trying to numb the pain, trying to find something. And I really didn't do a good job of my education at that time. I uh, got my certificate in socializing, which is, I hope there's some value there, but I really don't think there was. Um, But I always kind of beat myself up for it. I was like, I can't really be a leader. I can't. I don't know if I can teach. You know, I'm just going to let somebody else do that. And uh, part of it was because I had this perception of my past, of I was a failure. I had it all going for me. I just threw it away. You know, and I remember sitting at my kitchen table one night, and I was listening to Mike Bickle from Kansas City IHOP teach about inner healing, uh, similar things about this message, about just getting healing for our past so we have vision for your future. And I said, God, like, what was it? What was happening to me during that season? And I invited Jesus into those moments of trial in my past, I said, show me your perspective rather than my own on what happened. And I felt like Jesus said, John, what happened during that season is you just stopped believing in love. Because your parents were supposed to be your example of love. And unfortunately, you know, as pastors back in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have all the access to the DD Pecks and Carlos and Sozos and a way to get fully healed so we're all alive and just loving each other. You know, at that time, it was like, you were the leader, you had to be right, you had to look perfect to everybody else, and you take all your junk into the marriage, and eventually the wheels start coming off. And my parents, you know, both amazing people, both lovely people, um, super proud of them, but at the moment, you know, at the time, we're really struggling. And their example of love just kind of crashed and burned. And so the Lord showed me, John, you just stopped believing in love. You know, and what that did for me is it made me realize, okay, I wasn't just stupid. I wasn't just trying to wreck my life. I was actually grappling with this idea of, I don't know if I believe in love anymore, so I'm going to try everything else to see if it fulfills me. And now that I've made that journey and I've come full swing and I'm back with living with God, having this amazing peace in my life that I wouldn't trade for anything because I've seen the way it is to do life without it. Um, What that did for me is it helped me realize, wow, well, if I just start believing in love again, And I just, the closer I get to God, who is love, the more peace I'm going to have and the better my life is. It made that journey worth it because that journey gave me contrast. It wasn't just a season of failure. It was, I went grappling and searching for what is truth, and I found it in God again. And I can tell you that none of the things that tempted me during that time tempt me anymore because God is way too good. He's so much better. I'm not white-knuckling my way through my faith and through my decision-making. I choose God because he's so much more amazing than any other option. Like, he's amazing. 
And the more I go after God, the happier I am, the, the, more my, the better father I am, um, the better pastor I am or teacher I am. It's just the more you press into God, everything comes alive. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Come on. I know you guys know what I mean. So, where there is no vision, the people perish. So, the way we get vision for our future is to let Jesus, the, the Prince of Peace, quiet the shame and guilt and condemnation from our past and then establish our identity here in the now. I can do it. I am his adopted son. He does have the best plan for me. I am qualified, not because of my own doing, but because he's qualified me through his son. We take on his identity. And what happens is all the waves, the tumultuous waves from our sin, our failure, our grappling with reality start to quiet down. And it's like a quiet lake, a quiet sea again. And in the famous words of the prophet Bono, there's no line on the horizon. There's no limit to how far we can see. And so then the prince of peace also becomes the prince of destiny, the prince of vision for the future, the prince of freedom from shame and guilt and condemnation, the prince of you're fully alive, the prince of you're set free from your addictions, from your fears, from your anxiety, the prince of peace ruling in your life and in your heart and in your family with the power of heaven, supernaturally releasing the power of the peace of heaven into your very own home. So amazing. You know, I was on a cruise ship once, and uh, it was a very, very short cruise. Um, I think my dad put on 10 pounds on that cruise. <laughs> he was eating crepes wrapped, wrapped with chocolate, with chocolate sprinkles on it. I don't, have anybody, has anybody been on a cruise? There's just unlimited food. It's shameful, but it's, it's also a lot of fun as well. But the storms kicked up, so our first stop was supposed to be on this little island, and the waves were so large that we could not pull up to the dock in the cruise ship. And so we stayed at sea. But what was wild is apparently the, the storm was a major storm, and there's all these you know, waves and seas, but the cruise ship barely even rocked. It was still steady. You could still walk to dinner. You barely even noticed. And I think part of the deal with finding peace in our lives is not removing all the exterior circumstances that come against our peace. It's just getting in a bigger boat. (laughs) Has anybody ever come out of a beautiful, peaceful time of prayer? And then it's time to drive the kids to the mall, and they're screaming in the back seat and choking each other and laughing and crying. You're like, how am I supposed to keep my peace going with all this going on? And, uh, oh, it's so hard. I, I don't always feel like the Prince of Peace is operating in me full capacity. Because you're going to always have external circumstances. And what I'm not interested in doing is having to withdraw myself or, or, or avoid people or to be in some kind of state of nirvana where nobody bothers me, I don't need anybody or anything. Because that's not the journey of a Christian. The journey of a Christian is to be transformed, filled up, healed, saved, delivered, full of God's love, and then to go out in the world to the hardest, darkest places and minister to the most challenging people on earth. You can't do that unless you're 
riding in the boat, the royal yacht of the Prince of Peace that will weather through any storm, it'll go right through any waves, and if the storm gets too crazy, he'll take you up in his helicopter, and you can just spend a little time with Jesus in heaven, just prayerfully meditating on how peaceful and wonderful he is. That is the place, that is home base, that is where we operate from, a place of royalty, a place from from being hosted by heaven in your life. And then you bring peace into every challenging circumstances that, that you face. So before we move on, I just want to give everybody a moment to actually practice this. I want you, as we just get quiet for a minute, to think about a, a season in your life that was very tumultuous, that maybe to this day creates triggers of anxiety or fear or failure. And I want you to get quiet and invite Jesus to gaze at that moment with you, to stand next to you in that moment. And I want you to ask Jesus, the Prince of Peace, what was happening in that moment and what was your perspective? Not mine, not the way I felt, not my insecurities and my anxiety about it, but what was your perspective as God, as the Prince of Peace? Because no season is wasted. So how did you see it? And how can I let your perception take over so that I'm released from all the dysfunction of that moment and I'm, I can step into your peaceful view of it because God is always peaceful. He's not anxious. He's not fearful. He wasn't terrified during those moments. He was steady and he was constant. So let's take a moment, just close your eyes and just ask God to take you to a moment that he wants to bring peace to. And what this will do is help restore peace not only in that moment but to your present. So let's just take a moment. Lord, as we think back to moments in our life that were tumultuous, that were 
not our best moments, the, the challenges, the, the pain. Would you speak to us about your perspective, what you were doing in that moment? Would you, le- would you release us from the weight and the shame and the guilt of our lack of understanding, stepping outside of your protection, operating underneath a different government. And Lord, we step back within the safety of your government. I thank you, God, that you use every moment in our lives to teach us how good you are and how much we need you. So, Lord, we just release the weight, the pressure, the intensity of those moments to you. And we take on the perspective of the Prince of Peace. That there is true, overwhelming peace for those who find you. There is peace available in this holiday season. If we just release all of our struggles to you and take on your peace, your supernatural peace. The peace that you are amazing at giving, the person of peace that comes with us in all circumstances. I pray that as we release the waves of the past, that you would, that you would calm the waves of our present. And I pray that our present would be like a clear, calm lake that you can see to the bottom of and that there would be no line on the horizon that we could go and see far, see what you've called us to, have hope for everything in our future. Amen. So Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Mario Murillo once said, any place in your life where you don't have hopeful expectation of something great in your future is a place where there is a stronghold. Is there any place in your life that you don't have absolute hopeful expectation that God's going to do something glorious? If there is, trade in your thinking and your thought process about that and ask for God's perspective because he's the God of the impossible. He can do so much more than what we could ever imagine or dream of. Just have to get on his boat. I never in my wildest dreams thought that I could be a part, let alone lead an event at Red Rocks. I wasn't even doing events when I heard of that dream. I wasn't even doing Resound at the time. It was before Resound started. And the Lord took me on a journey that was long and arduous, and, but through commitment and just following his leading, I eventually was led into a place where I was ready and, according to him, barely ready to take on something. I had had my project management training at work. I had done events at Resound, and, and this dream that was larger than me was able to happen with an amazing team and a lot of support from our incredible team. But do you see how God can do so much more than we could imagine or dream of when we get on his boat? When we stop giving excuses for all the things that we can't do that are too big for us, and we just say, okay, God, this is your deal. If you've called me to something, I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to believe heaven's perspective on this.
See, peace is a seat of authority, like I mentioned. Righteousness, peace, and joy are seats that we should always be sitting in. And the enemy will try to get you out of any one of them. If you're peaceful and joyful, he'll try to affect your righteousness. If you're righteous and peaceful, he'll try to steal your joy for some reason. We have to fight to be under the government of God at all times, to be protected and to be equipped and empowered by the government of Jesus, which is to be seated in righteousness, peace, and joy. So 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you. Why don't you guys all stand? I want to read this together. And let's speak it over our families, over our lives, over our circumstances, that the Prince of Peace would rule in our lives this Christmas time. You guys ready? Now may the Lord of Peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all or be with us all. So this Christmas time, I pray that you slow down enough, take a moment enough to gaze upon this baby in a manger, this pauper king, this baby that was born, God himself, into unthinkable circumstances, a manger. None of us would ever dream of having our children born in a manger, in a garage, you know, with animals around, unsanitary conditions. But God seeing our depravity and our need for help, came himself, born in a manger. I pray that that story grips our hearts this Christmas. Even Gandhi, who wasn't even a believer, said, I have never heard of a greater love than the love shown by the man, Jesus Christ. That he died for our sins, that he was born in a manger to come save the human race. Let us tell the stories to our kids to our friends, let us pause when we see the manger set up here or there under our trees and remember that this isn't just a sacrament or tradition. This is the most profound love that anybody could access in the universe put on display. That is what we're celebrating this Christmas. And I pray that every one of you receive the gift of amazing peace this Christmas, that there's peace in your homes, peace in your circumstances, peace in the impossible things, that you find God's perspective this Christmas for your life and your future, and that it brings you great joy. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room. And I thank you that you have passion and love and joy for each one in this room more than we could ever comprehend. Lord, you have a plan for our lives. You are orchestrating things for the good for those who love you and are called to your purposes. And I just pray that all of us this this season would put down the things that distract us, engage with your spirit, and come fully alive 
and to the people that you have designed us to be. Nothing less that we wouldn't fall short, but by your mercy and through your blood that we would supernaturally lay hold of this heavenly peace, this heavenly joy this Christmas season. And that the most amazing gift of all would be that we are connected to your heart, to your story, your love story for us, and that it would flow into our families, our homes, our friendships, and that we would be unmeasurably joyful and happy, even happier than a chuckling Santa, that we would be the happiest people on the planet this Christmas season, without a doubt. Amen. You guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.